Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Earrings Off. We want to invite you to subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. You can find us on Facebook at Earrings Off Podcast and on Instagram at The Earrings Off Podcast. Welcome to Earrings Off. I'm Lou. And I'm Teresa. Let's get started. Teresa, you know, the um, first week in October was Mental Health Awareness Week. So, um, you know, it's been so much in the news lately about this, about mental health and particularly um, dealing with the pandemic in light of the pandemic and with particular concern in our community, the mental health um, Impact. I can I I can I can see that. Yeah, yeah. I can see that. I can see that because it's just one of the many things, you know, that we have to deal with on a day to day basis. You know, okay. mental health and and even I mean, if we look at present time, uh, the social injustice that's mm-hmm. going on right now. There's a lot that our community is dealing with. It's 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 a lot. But you know what? But there's been a focus too lately on okay, the pandemic and mental health, but also looking at what you just said. What impact has the racial injustice had on us all these years um, on our mental health and our well-being? Because I know we've talked about, and I know I did a blog, and you and I have talked about um, on this show how you just you're anxious just trying to navigate as an african-american in this society you're you're constantly trying to make sure you don't step on any landmines in your everyday activities and so now you know there are actually studies being done to look at okay what impact does race racism have on our mental health I don't know what the study's going to show, but I can absolutely say there is an impact, a significant impact, and not only on adults, but what is that doing to our children? You know? Oh, it's, it's, it's a very real impact on them as well. How can it not be? Yeah. You know? So um, but the, the, something popped uh, on my feed with this little five-year-old, his house was being robbed and he was in there trying did you see that trying to fight the robbers and i'm thinking you're five years old and so we are subjected to more violence more uh violence. more trauma more trauma uh, you know the the numbers bear out that of course we have of 40% of the homeless population, 50%, even though we're the minorities in this country, 50% of the prison population, and 45% of our children are in foster, in the foster care system. So when you look at all of that, of course, there is going to be an impact on our mental health and emotional well-being how could it not 
how could it not? And the unfortunate part is that um, with, the, with those numbers, as staggering as they are, um, we tend not to talk about these things with professionals. We tend in a higher percentage to not get that help and support that we need right. um, to help navigate um, these situations. Well, you know? and, yeah, and you're right because that's, there's such a stigma attached to that. And, you know, you always have in the back of, the, of our minds the Tuskegee experiment and how there's, there's a distrust of health professionals because we wonder if people are authentically trying to help us or is there a bias against us in the healthcare system? There is a lack of cultural awareness. I, I can share a personal experience when... When my son was, I think, when our son was like in elementary school, you know, they immediately brand you ADHD and they want you, you know, they yeah. particularly with our little black boys and my son was no different. And so um, we set up an appointment to go talk to the counselor, my husband and I. And, um, and you know, now she, you know, very easygoing kind of guy. But we went to the counselor and we were sitting there talking to the counselor and, and what she said to us, something, she said something along the lines of, well, you know, you have him in the school system and, you know, that school system, the parents are pretty educated and, you know, that, so you have him and Teresa, I tell you, no lie, this is a true story. Now, she and I were sitting on the sofa. He got up. He looked at me, and the next thing I knew, he was in the parking lot. I mean, he left. <laughs> I don't blame him. And so I got up, made my apologies. I didn't know what was going on. And I went out, you know, and like, what? What's, he was like, you know, how dare she say that? How, how, how dare she come up with something like that? She doesn't know us, made an assessment about us doesn't know our educational background, doesn't know our income level, does not know anything about us, but automatically she made an assumption that our child was at a disadvantage in the educational system because of us, you know, and, and our environment. And he, he didn't even, he didn't apologize. He talked about it for years. Like, I don't want to hear anything else she has to say. We're not going there. And not only that, they're not labeling him. So then we went into, okay, what can we, we went into offense mode because we saw that there was already a bias against him and against us. And um, that was our experience with that. So that's where that distance from, you know? That situation is 100% between the two of us. When I say that, we had the exact same experience with my child. Really? Right. So in high school, there was a situation where, you know, we had teacher parent conference mm -hmm. and the woman said, just love. Oh, she's level. <laughs> oh, oh, she's such a she's she's a very expressive writer. Mm -hmm. And it really surprises me coming from the city of Richmond. Because we were in a school system that pulled from all the various, yeah. we were in a school that yeah. pulled from all the various counties. Yeah. She assumed that we came from the city of Richmond, Did, right? 
right. and that because yeah. our child was intelligent and came from the city of Richmond, yeah, you know, she couldn't believe that. She couldn't believe that. And so, well, I did get offended. Okay, I, I, I was offended, and I corrected her. I shouldn't have corrected her because then it got worse for my child. Because then she teased her of coming from a silver spoon, having a silver spoon in her mouth. Well, let's, let's, let's stop there a minute. That's what I mean by how can we be healthy? You're constantly navigating landmines because as a parent, it's like automatically you know what your response should be when you get these kind of statements and assessments. But we don't have the luxury of reacting as any typical parent would react because you know there are going to be repercussions for your child. You know? Exactly. And, that, and, that, and that's exactly what happened. She, she, she held that against her because I'm like, in fact, I'm, I'm not sure where you're getting your information from, but she did, Nia's not from, did not attend a school in the city of Richmond. Not that that's a bad thing. Right. You know, I was just trying to tell her yeah. her background. Right. And so in telling her where she came from, there were repercussions because in the classroom the very next day, though she didn't call her name, right. he said, you know, there are those among us or something to the effect that are that are born with silver spoons in their mouth. And, you know, we're so far from that. And plus, once my child told me, she really literally didn't want us to go to the school anymore. She's like. I know you think you're doing the right thing, but it, it, it doesn't help. It really doesn't help. It just makes it worse. So it's a lot of stress on them and anxiety that yeah. was caused in her life, you right. know, and um, it, it, it's, it's unfortunate because, I mean, it's everyday day things. And I think I might have shared this with you uh, last week that I saw a news story where uh, they did this, this social experiment, experiment some 30 years ago with a black guy and a white guy going to rent an apartment. And they're different experience in that. Of course, when the, the white guy went in and he was, he was treated very nicely and he was able to, he was offered the apartment that was available. And but he said, well, I need to think about it. I'll come back. The black guy goes in, they did treat him nicely. I mean, they were respectful to him, but then they said, we don't have an available apartment, sorry. Wow. And so the same thing, the story went on. There was a car thing, a salesperson selling a car, something you go buy a car. Um, and you, they, the, the white person, they said, Oh sure. We can get you in this car for nine, five, $9,500 with a $1,200 deposit. The black person comes along. It's like, sure. We can get you in this car with a $2,500 deposit and the car is 10, five. Wow. Okay. So the purpose of this segment that I was watching was called the, called the cost of racism in America. And so when they did all the facts and figures and came up with the bottom line, we could have immense, immense generational wealth. Were we not charged more for things? So there's a lot that we have to deal with. It's not just so simple for us. Well, and, you, and that's the point of this um, conversation. When you walk through that every day, of course, it has an impact on your mental health, your emotional well-being. Um, you're constantly, even though you, you feel like, you know, 
you tried to do things the right way. You tried to follow all of these very nebulous rules that are set in place for us to, to achieve. Spoken and unspoken. Right, right, right. Absolutely. You better learn what they are. Um, and so even when you try to do all of that, then to still have this kind of mistreatment, like you said, just something, something as big as, you know, uh, the value of your house and even something, um, you know, less significant, but still significant when you go and purchase a car, it could be anything. And that's why when you, you know, sometimes when you, you go to, um, um, black store or black rest restaurant I, I at least for me when i know when i went to africa years ago never been to africa i tell you no lie when the plane was touching down i felt peace i felt at home i felt welcome and that's the way i feel mm. when i go typically go in black establishments um yeah i feel like okay i might get a fair deal here I'm going to be treated with respect. I'm going to be welcomed. And you can feel some of the weight come off of you in that type of environment. And it's so, it is so hard that when you go in other arenas, you don't feel that, that light. You, you almost feel like, okay, I'm going to have to put on my body armor. What am I going to have to deal with when I walk through these doors? That's a distrust, which brings me brings me back to our earlier point that there's a distrust amongst us of the mental health arena for us because yeah. we're concerned that what's going to be written in that file is this then going to impact my job um my job opportunities is am i going to be ridiculed am i even going to be ridiculed for accessing um you know, services, mental health support, which I have through my insurance, but I don't want anybody to get it twisted and somehow use that against me. And, and so right. constantly thinking about that. And of course, the other barrier is the fact that while I may have insurance for it and you may, but a lot of people don't have access they, they can't afford they, it they cannot afford that so they can't afford that, it that's another <clears throat> barrier um and one of uh, there was one other one other thing um lou i i saw a statistic and i can't remember it right now but as we know there's fewer uh doctors that look like us already right but in the mental health space it's even worse wow so that's another problem Right, because uh, sometimes people, like you said, you're, they're, they are comfortable talking to people who look like them. Well, um, yeah. And if you don't have that as an offering, if you don't have that, then that that further um, exacerbates the problem. Well, somebody that's going to understand our culture, somebody that's going to yeah. look at the whole picture, look at who you are, somebody who maybe when I explain what happened to me and to, to happened to us in the counselor's office doesn't just dismiss that away. Like, no, that's probably not what she meant. Who, who mm -hmm. understands actually that mm -hmm. is what occurred. That so mm -hmm. was able mm -hmm. to, to at least 
meet me halfway on that point to understand what my concerns were. So that that's often an issue. But again, to me, we're now talking about external factors, but there are some internal factors that we're dealing with yeah. in the community. And that's the fact that we have typically, because of our history with slavery and so much that we've had to deal with to overcome, we see that as a weakness to go to counseling. It's like, no, we're strong people. We've endured slavery and we've you know, had to overcome so much. And we can't let it be seen as, you know, we interpret that as a weakness for us to admit that I'm struggling with something right now and I need some help. And people that, you know, people just in our community, that's just not where we are, that we think about mental health like we do physical health. But that's the way we should think about it. Our emotional. Absolutely. A piece of it. But, you know, just like diabetes or high blood pressure, it's, it's an illness or it, it's something we're dealing with that we have to address. But that's not how we see it. And that's part that's we have, our own stuff we got to move beyond. We have to see our brain. We, well, our brain is a muscle. Yeah. And just like we exercise our bodies and we take care of our bodies, if we break an arm, if we break, our, if we break a bone, we're going to go get that. We're going to go get that taken care of, right? We're going to go to the doctor and take care of it. We have to see our muscle, our brain muscle as one of those things that needs to be uh, attended to, especially if there's some trauma that we've have to, have to, ha- had to deal with. But I wanted to say this in kind of a light way uh, when you say internally there's an issue too. Yes, weakness, we see it as a weakness, but it, it's also, you know, don't don't go put big mama's business in the street you know what i'm saying like we we keep <laughs> yeah. yeah don't don't you told him what <laughs> yeah. don't be putting our business in the street so we there's that right right there is <laughs> that, that. We, that we're all guilty of you know it's like we don't want we don't yeah. want we want to keep our family secrets we think we can deal with them you know everybody knew about what uncle joe was doing you know but we don't want to we don't talk about it. Right. Let's not even let's not even mention it. Right. You know, and and that's a that's a big problem that we have that to is, overcome. You know, absolutely a big problem because it's funny you say that because the other day <clears throat> I was looking at some family photos and I saw a picture of my cousin. She's about you know my age, so we grew up together, going to the same schools, and she was gorgeous. You know, just beautiful had beautiful features you know beautiful flowing hair skin color all of that but she acted odd you know and and now as i'm older i realize that she probably might have been bipolar or something because but you know you didn't have a diagnosis when we were growing up because she would be fine some days and then other days she would just be very you know i guess you know, behavior would be very manic, you know, she would be very high and then very low. And so you never quite knew how to interact with her. So thus she became quote odd to us. And so, and she was very, she was a bright girl. And, uh, but because there wasn't any diagnosis or any treatment for that, she just sort of struggled. And, um, 
And so I thought about that as, as we talked about doing this segment. I, I remembered her and, um, you know, the struggles that she appeared to have. And it was very obvious. She was very bright. But because there were such highs and lows that it, it was very difficult for her to navigate through school. So. But if she had gotten help, oh, yeah. that's totally, totally something that we can, that, you know, that can be treated. Yeah. And dealt with, you know? Yeah. So, you know, mm -hmm. certainly what we want people uh, to get, um, Teresa and I are not mental health professionals, and we don't even play one on this show. But the reality is that there are some common factors which keep us from accessing mental health. It can be our own biases. It, it can be the fact that we have cultural issues that we that we don't want to recognize in terms of mental health. There's that, again, that distrust, the fact that we may not have adequate insurance, and that it's just not something that's been paid a lot of attention to. But now, particularly now that we're in this pandemic, we need to be checking on each other. We need to be supporting each other. And there are many, many services out there for people to access. So that that's really what we want to want to do is to just try and take some of the stigma away to make sure that while we we know we've been victimized by others that we don't victimize ourselves and each other when mm -hmm. we know that there are issues that need to be addressed and that there are That's right. to to address them. Kudos to all the mental health professionals in our community who are doing the job to try to provide services and to meet us where we are culturally. So um, we, we want to give a shout out to them as well. If you are a mental health professional and you're listening right now in our community, if you would want to come on and talk to us about this further, please don't hesitate to contact us at earringsoff at gmail.com. Absolutely, because you know, here at Earrings Off, when we know better, we do better. Take good care.